0: Hello and welcome to Some Thoughts with Sura. I'm your host, Sura Hertzberg. Today is November 4th, which means that we've made it through another October. October is always a tough month for me because I don't like scary things. I have a lot of like childhood aversion to things that pop out and the dark and being alone, and October always brings out all of this creepiness and shadow and feelings of fear for me, Um, and I remember as a kid that all of my favorite television shows, TV was something that I like deeply relied on, I was very, it was part of my coping mechanism, Um, which I'm sure I'll talk about at some point if I haven't already. Um, but you know, in sort of a, an addictive way, I've said before that I think television was my first addiction and I, I really believe that I just, you know, sort of fell into watching shows because they were comforting and they felt safe and the room in my house where the TV was, 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 my, like, safe haven when I would be alone as a kid in the house. So all that is to say, um, normally I avoid things that are spooky and creepy, and I think I was just saying that October was always hard when I was a kid because all my favorite TV shows would have, like, their Halloween special. And I hated those. It was always, like, this scary episode. I don't, they don't really do that anymore because they don't, like, release episodes one one week at a time. But, um, but, so this year, the, a friend from long ago, who actually is the mom of my college roommate, um, who I lived with for, for most of college and was very close with. Um her name is Kathy Izzo and she goes by the Love Artist and she's this awesome performance artist um slash like group organizer, space holder and does really incredible work. And we were messaging each other and it turns out that she was um doing these tarot readings in a haunted house at the Old Mint in San Francisco and I live in San Francisco and I was like okay well I'll come down for a tarot reading and so I went down there and it was you know there were sexy vampires dancing to 80s goth music and it was all like quite a scene and very fun and I had my tarot read and she was an amazing tarot reader and um someone sort of offhandedly mentioned that she did or or someone else who was working there that they needed um other people to come and play roles um because you know people had dropped out and blah blah blah. so long story short i end up working at this haunted house and it's called the terror vault and it was created by peaches christ who is this wonderful drag queen in San Francisco. And it's this beautifully done, like, camp Halloween, you know, terror haunted house show in the basement of the Old Mint, which is this, like, castle-esque looking building in downtown San Francisco. And the first day I show up and... I'm a little bit late and a little bit flustered and they're like, okay, here you go. Like put in the makeup and they've been doing it for like two weeks already. So people were connected with one another and everyone is so darling, like really, really kind, really nice people. The, the costume designer like throws a cloak on me and gives me a Bethlehem mask and is like, okay, you're ready to go. And I go downstairs and, um, Peaches like takes me to my station where I'm going to be working and I like walk through this, you know, creepy nunnery kind of situation and um, past the chopping blocks where they're cutting up fake arms for dinner and um, stuff like this and into my post, which is this like spooky crate maze it's supposed to be like the back of a museum but it's in a it's like a maze and um in one corner there's like a a fake mummy um uh like and and there's this like mirror and the lights are all flashing and the music is going you know like the sort of spooky soundtrack and we walk in and I just like stop in my tracks and I I look at Peaches and I was like I don't think I can do this And they were like, okay, well, um, and, you know, like, I understand that it's scary. A lot of, like, our performers won't go through the whole thing. And he just, like, walked me around and was like, you're the only scary thing in here. It was so, like, it was this very, like, training of, like, you're okay. Like, you can rise above this. Like, things are good. And then he just was like, do you want me to turn the lights on? show you that there's nothing else spooky in here. Wow, I can hear my voice like rising and rising and rising because it was so scary and anxiety-producing for me. And even knowing that I was the spooky one in there. But also, you know, this this real loving, caretaking gentleness. We turned the lights on. I walked around The performer who was um, in the scene right before me came in and walked me around and talked about what I could do to spook the audience. And it was so beautiful. And then we turned the lights off again. And I'm standing in there, and I'm waiting for my first set of audience members to come and I'm standing, and I'm breathing, and I'm grounding, and I'm (sighs) slowing my heart rate, trying to come back into the window of tolerance, which I talked about last episode, and feeling my feet, slowing my heart rate, and I'm in there for, like, I'd say, like, a good seven minutes. Another thing Peaches said to me was, like, you're gonna get bored you'll be here for 20 minutes and it'll be scary but then you're gonna get bored like by the end of the night you'll be super bored so I'm in there for like you know maybe a good 10 minutes just breathing and grounding and no one's come by yet and I was just like I can't I can't take this so I went into the hallway right so like there's a in between the two the rooms um And back there, it was still dark and very scary, but at least like I, you know, saw that there was a person over here who was like running the video for this other room and I could be like, okay, I'm not alone. I'm not all alone. And then the audience starts coming and I have a cue that, you know, I know when to go back in and so I listen for my cue and I go in and then the audience comes in and I, you know, over the course of the night, I, like, figured out different ways to spook them. One was just standing there and looking at them and kind of making eye contact. And people be like, oh, no, it's real. And other ones would be, like, kind of spooking them a little bit at the beginning. And then running over and then spooking them again right at the end. And that was really fun. Like, it was really fun to, to scare people, which, like, also was a little bit demonic and kind of... um sadistic i'm like i hate being scared so much that like there's this sick pleasure in in doing it to others but then when the audience would leave i would like run out and go stand in the hallway again and wait for my cue for the next group and i just did this like all night long and i noticed that every time i had i went back inside and waited for the next group my heart would start to pound again and I had to figure out a spot where I could stand where I wasn't looking at the mummy because the mummy really scared me because it's like not human and then I made up this thing in my head that like the head of the mummy was turning towards me and like I just spooked myself and it's this, it was this process of like calming myself down, settling, trying to come down to base level, caretaking, putting myself in the hallway, finding a position where I didn't have to look at the mummy, not, you know, being in there the whole time, and then running out (laughs) and coming back and doing it over and over again. And so I was like, whew, okay. Conquered my, like, biggest fear, which is, like, being left alone in the dark, basically, right? And this was, like, the being left alone in a haunted house where I knew that it was just me in there and yet it was so scary okay so night one and part of my whole thing was like I never have to come back and do this again like this is you know this is fine like you don't just make it through the night like just make it through the next couple hours just make it through the next hour like you can do this just like kind of giving myself this like set time oh and one other thing that happened that night which was like just like so extra. It was like the break times got kind of like messed up. Like we had a break in between of like 15 minutes and um the timing was like a little bit off and so I and I was like you know new there and so I went upstairs to like go to the bathroom and take a breather and when I come back down the show had started again and so In fact, I was all alone going through a haunted house, which is another one of my greatest fears. And the cast didn't know who I was and I was lost and I didn't know where I was and I didn't know the sequencing. So I was like wandering around getting like spooked out and spooked out. And I like my heart was pounding because I was like anxious that I was supposed to get back to the to my post. Right. And I was like, oh, fuck. And. I finally end up like backstage, but I'm on the wrong side of the haunted house, right? So I'm like backstage but on the other backstage. And I was like, "Oh my god, fuck." And the the line of the performance is the only way out is through. The only way out is through. And I was like, Whew, "Okay, and I'm, like, trying to figure out if I can go around and trying to figure out if I can go, like, you know, find another way to get to my post. And, and you know, after some time, I was like, okay, the only way out is through. And I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. So I went and, like, just collected with another group and went through the scene that was right before mine. And I had my hand over my eyes and one hand in my ear, and I was like... You know, like trying not to look, even though I knew what was going to happen in that scene. And then I, the scene finishes, and they all go into the second, into the next part, which I'm supposed to be in. And you know, I turn to the person who's who's working the scene right before me, and I was like, "Thank you. I'm so sorry. I got lost." And really, just like re- reverting back into this like child. Like there was a lot of shame. There was a lot of like feeling like very little and very like. Um, You know, like I should be able to deal with my own fears, and yet I couldn't, and I got lost. And somehow, feeling yeah, this shame about it. And again, everyone was like so incredibly kind and beautiful, and just like, okay, go for it, like, go back to your post. And so, I finished out the night, right. And I was like, whew, okay, never doing that again. That was beautiful. But I was meant to work the next day. And so I was like, what am I going to do? How am I going to get through this? And I had come up with like a plan, earplugs and ketamine. <laughs> I was like, if I can like take a teensy little bit where it's like a medicinal dose, you know, um, so I'm not like totally out of it, but I'm, or in a K-hole, which would be very scary in a haunted house, I think. Maybe not though. I don't think it would be scary. I think it would just be intense. But it's like if you like do it in a lozenge, um it, it works a lot less well, but it's still like giving you a little separation between your your body and your, you know, sort of emotions and your cognition and allows you this slight separate space in order to really like metacognate and process without this like just intense anxiety um, coming from the bottom up, getting in the way. Um, And so, you know, integration is incredibly important. I'm just saying ketamine is incredibly addictive and um, can be for some people. And when utilized for like a party purpose without reflection on it. I think, um, you know, it just has a different, a different, I don't know, value, I guess is the word I would put on it. So anyways, more on that later, if, if I want to, but this was the agreement I'd come up with myself. I was like, I'm going to stand in the hallway. I'm going to wear your plugs. I'm going to take ketamine the next day, a little bit, and then I can do that scene again. And the next morning, I got a text message. Oh, and Peaches that night had been like, um, okay, like, did you get bored? And I was like, I did get bored, but I was also scared. And it was this really odd experience of, like, being bored but scared. I was like, I didn't really know what to what to think about it. And they were like, hmm, okay. So the next day, I get a text message from the stage manager, and who's also their partner. And, uh... And he was like, I heard that you were a little bit scared last night. Would you maybe want to switch scenes and have a friendly scene partner? And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like the sweetest text. I was like, someone else is taking care of me. I was like, oh, yes. Like, absolutely. Thank you so much for thinking of it. Like, you know, that sounds great. And so I show back up the next day and my scene partner is the nicest person, absolutely like a beautiful human being. Cosimo is their um drag king name persona. And Cosimo's like, we're gonna be orphans together. We're in this dirty laundry room. And then we move from the laundry room into a dirty fake toilet room and there's a poop in the toilet and we pretend like we are playing with poop with the audience and i like again stopped in my tracks and just looked at them and i was like what <laughs> because of course like i mean not of course i also i have a lot of poop shame and poop trauma and a history of like this being you know a kind of like i have dreams where poops are chasing me i have like poop nightmares and this is like a thing that has been true for me for a long time but like there is a poop trauma within my system, which I've like written about in um, therapeutic contexts and, you know, is very Freudian, of course, but also makes sense. It's this like shadow part of ourselves. It's this excrement. It's like something we don't want to look at. We don't want to think about. Um, And, you know, it's dirty. and, And then at the same time, you know, in the Freudian sense, it's like, uh, about control and about our sort of autonomy and potty training. Um, the, the anal phase is all about like this, the pleasure of, of, um, of defecating and the, um, sort of like growth of the superego and this like learning how to internalize authority and, uh like mastery over the body but this loss of this extreme pleasure um of of shitting right <laughs> of like of of bowel movements um and and so you know there's a lot there and and getting getting stuck in that phase um and this idea of like being anal you know like being incredibly controlling um and the shame etc that comes along with defecation. So there's that, right? Okay. So, my new role in this haunted house is to be a shit orphan, right? And I was like, "Oh my god, do they just like are they like reading my fucking diary?" I was like, this is like the funniest thing. Like, first take me into like a spooky like room alone where I'm dressed up like the devil and haunting people and I was like this is number one number two like be a shit orphan and like one of the one of the um and it was really I'm gonna I'm not gonna lie like it it was very fun in the end and I got bored in the end and exhausted it was so intense um but I'm like crawling around on my knees and like I like asked Cosimo at some point I was like can I call the audience, like, mommy and daddy? Or is that, like, too weird? And, and she was like, no, go for it. Like, absolutely. So I'm, like, the one, of the one of the, like, play parts that I did was, like, I was just, like, fucking with, you know, myself and, like, enjoying uh, what I could out of it. And I would, like, go on my knees and I would, like, throw my hands up in the air and start crying as if I was, like, an orphan who wanted someone, a, a little kid who wanted someone to pick them up. And I was like, damn, this is, like, so much, like, psychological, like, you know, uh, like, trauma work. Um, which, interestingly, I have been reading all this stuff about trauma, right, for my, for my trauma class. Um, and one of the things in somatics, trauma in the body, like, a lot about, um, working with the body in trauma. But one of the things that they talk about in in at least these texts is, like, exposure therapy is actually – exposure therapy is one context of it, but, you know, like, re-traumatizing people, essentially, like, walking through their traumas, reliving them, is not productive. And it's not, like, a way that we want to move forward in trauma work. So, all that being said – I was like, had that in the back of my mind, but also I was like, well, this isn't exactly reenacting it. This is, um, or or, like, this isn't exposure therapy. Like this is like working with it and in it and in this field. And so I, I, you know, go through this night and, oh my God, the next day my legs were so sore. And I, I was like, those two nights were what I was going to do. And that was it. And then I get a voice message from my friend Kathy, um, the love artist, and she says, I have this crazy idea that you and I should go through the haunted house together. Wouldn't that be fun? And I was just like, whoa, holy shit, fuck no. Like, absolutely, that is like outside of my window of tolerance. If you had asked me like two weeks ago, like, will you go to a haunted house? The answer would be like zero percent. Not no, absolutely not. But so it's like, okay, got me thinking. I'm like, well, I've been here, I've been conquering my fears, I've been like sort of like leveling up, right? First I did the loneliness, and then I did the poop orphan like shit trauma. And I'm like, can I go and just do the whole fucking haunted house thing? Hmm. So I'm, like, grappling with it, going back and forth. And I'm, like, absolutely not. There's no way. And then I'm, like, well, I should just do it. Like, I can, you know, close my eyes or I could, like, do some ketamine or, like, whatever. And I'm going back and forth and back and forth. And in the end, and I can't stop talking about it. That's the other thing. I'm, like, constantly, anybody who will listen, I've been, like, telling these stories to. And I'm assuming that this might be the last time I tell this story. Maybe not. It's a very good story, although, albeit quite long. Um, but, um, anyways, I'm like in it, right? I'm like, okay, what am I, what am I going to do here? Like, is this leveling up? Is this actually like doing the work or is this just re-traumatizing and fucking exposure therapy and like the worst choice to just like be literally in the middle of all of my fears for an hour and a half? Like it's a long show. And so in the end, I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, I'm going to do it. And so I wrote Kathy and, you know, the weekend was a long Halloween weekend and lots of partying and fun stuff going on and lots of other emotional processing on top of that. And the day comes and I've taken, like, a long nap. And we're going at, like, 10.30 p.m. And I'm like, okay, like, is this going to happen or not? I texted her and I was like, are we doing this? And she was like, yes. I was like okay just so you know like this is this is some of my like biggest fears like going and being in a place where the goal is for people to spook you to like try and make you feel scared for a prolonged period of time where like the imagery is pretty like dark and scary and where I'm essentially like you know, alone in this space. And then, and I didn't say all of this in a text message. This would be a very long text message. But this is what I'm saying now to you. And and it's not that. It's not being scared as much as, for me, those memories just linger. And the imagery and the fear just like sits in my body when I'm alone, when I'm trying to go to sleep, in this really intense way. And it's been like that since I was a little kid. Um, I've had like, you know, great, great fears and terrible nights of sleep. And I would wake up and go like terrified in my bedroom. And I'm working through a lot of this in therapy and like sorting out sort of like cause and effect and maybe like what the sort of deeper, um, meaning or feelings were there. Um, so never fear. You're going to hear some more about this. But anyways, I, and I would go and, and like sleep in my parents' bed. And when I talked to my mom about all of this, she was like, you know, you would come in and you would just be like shaking. I was like incredibly traumatized. Um, and you know, they always joke that I slept in their bed until I was like 12 years old, which I don't think is true. But I definitely like had these night terrors and had these incredibly like scary, scary nights of no sleep-in, of just, like, complete trauma. I'm curious if others out there have had this experience, um, you know, a prolonged experience. And, of course, part of me is like, well, what was the initial trauma, right? And, of course, we can look at everything through a trauma lens. Maybe it is or isn't. And maybe it's ancestral. And maybe, you know, the loneliness, I was looking at this idea of, like, the that, like, my father's whole lineage his his brothers and sisters his parents etc were all murdered in the holocaust and he was the one left of his family and so the idea of loneliness and just the intensity and direness of aloneness of being the only one left like how does that live in my body maybe that's part of it Maybe it's not my own, you know, trauma, but it's this sort of ancestral lineage of trauma. Or, you know, maybe it is a pointed trauma and, you know, I'm also looking at that and working with that. And maybe remembering specifically what it is isn't the point so much as working with the impact of it on the body. So, Kathy writes me back and she says, I used to feel the same way. The Terra Vault cured me, healed me. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be there with you, basically. And I was like, okay, damn. All right, Terra Vault, like, is the healing property. All right, let's do this. And so I brought my earplugs. I did bring a little teensy bit of ketamine to drink. And um, and I, you know, asked Kathy if she would hold my hand through it. And, um... And, you know, she was, like, so with me and present and just, like, yes. And so I did. So anyways, long story short, long story short. Um, the terrible starts. And the story starts being really intriguing. And I start to just, like, really enjoy myself. Although, to be fair, I've got, like, earplugs in, and I've got one hand over my eyes, and the other one is, like, squeezing onto Kathy's hand. She's got me, like, behind her at a lot of the scenes, and she was, like, the in-betweens are the scariest part. So, like, we're going in between scenes, and I'm just, like, <laughs> like you know, like, hiding in her kind of uh, vicinity, and um, she'll, like, scream, and I'll just, like, you know, keep going. and But anyways, it was, like, you know halfway through, it was, like, funny, and of course, and this is what people had said, it's campy, and it's fun, and I, you know, knew some of the actors, and it it was, like, it was, like, holy shit, like, I can do this, and the anticipation itself was, like, that was the scariest part, that was the hardest part, and then acknowledging that, like, coming out of it you know might be scary and i might not be able to sleep for a couple nights and and the anxiety of being alone might be different but in the midst of it it was like oh wow okay like i can do this i can experience this and then afterwards we had a cigarette and then you know i came home and now it's what did i say november 4th so it's and we went on halloween night so it's like 4 days later and you know I I feel great. And so I've had really interesting conversations about, you know, sort of what this time means. Samhain or like Day of the Dead or Halloween. Um, and, you know, on the one hand, it's this autumnal holiday and the switching of the seasons and this kind of like, acknowledging and accepting the darkness um, and within that there's a there's this agreement to like look at the shadow um, and to to accept death so that's sort of on the other hand is like you know this is this is one time when we have this integral relationship with death And it's different in other cultures, right? I mean, I I think that we've, in, in the United States, we've taken this sort of spiritual holiday and turned it into a time to, like, eat a bunch of candy and, like, dress up in kind of hokey outfits and get fucked up. But there's within it this this acknowledgement of the shadow side and this kind of like collective trauma or or shadow. I was talking with a friend who's in my program and she was saying that this notion of like the things that we're the most afraid of and turning away from those shadows and you know in the corner and these scary parts that that's what allows them to live and continue to be, to haunt us. And in turning towards and in addressing them and in welcoming these scary parts or creepy parts or shadow parts into our hearts, that's the way that we can actually deal with and process them. And, you know, it's not her idea necessarily. This has been raining down in psychotherapy for a long time but this seeing it in the flesh right here during Halloween time and experiencing it and turning towards it and really like going through the terror vault is this way of healing so thanks for listening I am feeling very proud, I've given myself a lot of hugs and pats on the back, and I hope that you are acknowledging your shadows and addressing your relationship with the dark side and moving towards, not away from, the spooky, creepy things in the corner. Because at the end of the day, it turns out those are a deep part of us, and Loving those shadows, loving the parts of us that we want to turn away from. That's the way to heal. That's the way to move forward. And if you're in San Francisco, you should absolutely come next year to the Terror Vault. Although I don't know what it'll be called next year. Maybe that's what it's always called. But look it up. It's an incredible show. Definitely a plug for that. And maybe I'll see you there.